Welcome to Security Heroes, a podcast by Athena Security. We share real life stories to help connect you to real heroes in the security world. I am your host, Lisa Falzone. Warning, the following recording contains potentially disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. After six months of incredible stories, we wanted to end the year by taking a look at what we learned from our heroes across many different security industries. Let's take a look first at healthcare. Do you feel like the nurses are really the ones that bear the brunt of all this violence? You mentioned the example where the manager, the doctor in charge kind of went to his room and you guys were left handling this. I mean, that's just shocking to me. So yeah, if you could just talk about that and what your thoughts are on that, given that you are a nurse. Nurses are in the nexus of care. You know, they spend the most face time with the patient. There's a quote that I heard that nurses can have to do the job of everyone, but no one else can do the job of the nurse. So like we sometimes are heating up food and finding food for our patients. So we're dietary. Sometimes we're cleaning the room. Sometimes we're respiratory. Sometimes we're physical therapy. We have to be the aide. You know, there's lots of things that we're doing, but no one else can do our job. So we get tasked with a lot of delegation, which makes the nurse the primary person to help mitigate the violence. So talk to me about some of your heroic actions you've seen on your team, whether it's a security personnel on the ground or someone that reports to you directly. Talk to me about some heroic acts that you've seen your team do. Sure. I consider, I truly consider my team and people that work in these positions for many years as heroes. Totally. They They're being vulnerable and often assaulted and often yelled at and called every name in the book on a daily sometimes basis. And they come back and do it again, usually with great respect and kindness and compassion and empathy for our patients and our visitors. Knowing that they've done everything in their power to keep these organizations safe. And I'm having many, many conversations with those hospital leaders that are saying, what are we doing differently? Are we doing the right things? Do we have the right plans in place? And that's including, you know, the training that's being provided and expected of those officers. And that's what we like to do is say, not just focus in on one aspect, but all aspects of keeping these environments safe. I mean, if I was to tell you, Lisa, when I'm making recommendations for somebody, the last thing I really want to do is add to their OPEX. Last thing I really want to do is add to their total employment count. But sometimes it is the right call. So what else can we do for, hey, do we have the right policies in place? Do we have the right education systems in place? Do we have the right approach to making certain people understand the role in how they keep the environment safe, not just making it one person's response? Responsibility who wears a uniform in security. And I think that's making a big difference. So that's a moment where you save lives. If it's, you don't have that secure response, even by the time your 911 emergency gets there, uh, every second count, it's just like a fire. And right. being able to establish that communication with lines of communication with somebody who is being prepared to end their life in that moment, talking them down, it's unbelievable. And it's, yeah, when when I see my security staff do that and you're reviewing video of an incident and you can really appreciate and put yourself there in that moment as to what they were going through. And you want to be able to offer supports after that for your frontline staff, having that employee assistance program even afterwards, an opportunity to debrief the whole event is just as important as the event itself. 
So those are a couple of events, things that happen uh, from time to time. And they're, yeah. they're very concerning. And we try to put preventative measures in place so that does not happen. But our staff come across that. But if it weren't for those, again, those policies, procedures, and the training and the response, they wouldn't be armed with the tools to do the job. I think two things that I've had to learn through falling on my face. One is you have to understand the business applications of what you do. So being able to put together a competent business plan and communicate in those terms gets you a lot further than anything else when it comes to competing for resources in a healthcare environment. And the other thing is that embracing the collaborative communication and embracing the multidisciplinary nature of healthcare. Learn to reach out, learn to partner, learn to look at things from other perspectives, be compassionate about other perspectives. I think sometimes we think, why don't all the nurses just do it this way? That's not a way to look at it. You've got to look at it for a while. Why don't they do it this way? And and how can I approach it a little differently on my end? How can security approach it a little differently? So you've got to be able to see things from other people's perspectives. What we don't want is for somebody to fall and hit their head or interrupt Mm -hmm. a patient or violate privacy. And so I get him settled and I go see another patient. And then as I come out of this room, I see our our patient who I just settled, fully dressed, like walking out of the emergency department, walking up and down the hall of the emergency department and going in and out, like trying to figure out where he is and accidentally going into patient rooms. Again, very drunk, like just the drunk, like drunk, (laughs) so drunk. So as I'm trying to talk to him, very fortunately, where I was in the hallway and where he was, the police officer from the incident before happened to just be standing right next to him. As I am trying to verbally de-escalate this patient and get him to back to his room where he's safe, where the other patients are safe, where we're safe, all of a sudden, he decides to sit in a chair that was randomly there and out of nowhere, pulls a gun and points it right at him. I don't know what kicked in. I used to run track in high school, but I wasn't that fast, but I'm booked. And it was a natural reflex. I got away. I, I actually screamed shooter for folks because I took that module <laughs> and it did. So maybe yeah. those modules are effective. But I recall this scenario ending immediately because within seconds of me sprinting that way, the trained police officer had already drawn his pistol and other police were already banned in the scenario. We also got some interesting insights from Jerry Fretz, who shed light on security in casinos. So we went down. It was a Korean War veterans luncheon. So we went there and then I returned. And when I got out of my car, I noticed that there was three Bed-Salem Township police officers in our parking lot. And they were talking to a woman and there was like a small crowd that had formed around them. And so I called our command center on the, on the phone and I said, hey, I see Bed-Salem in the parking lot. You know, what's going on? We just had a, a robbery pointed gun and the individuals now in, in foodies, which is our food court, are threatening people. I'm like, oh my. So, you know, I, I entered the building, you know, they alerted the law enforcement authorities to respond. I had gotten there first. So you have to make a decision. Now I'm unarmed and I could see the firearm. It, it was in his pocket. I could see the outline of it. Did he have two? It turned out he didn't, but could he have two? Yeah, he could. But I just took the chance that he had the firearm in his pocket. He wasn't going to get to it. I, I can promise you that. So do I want it to escalate? Because he was arguing with people. He obviously was out of his mind. So do I want it to escalate into like an active shooter situation if I have the ability to intervene to prevent that? So I took that chance. And, and so I grabbed him. And then, you know, a slight struggle ensued and the police respond and we were able to get him into custody and, and retrieve the firearm. So without a shot fired. So that's just a decision that you make, shoot from the hip. I would do it again today. Although I got chest. 
guys from my executives because I am unarmed and I went up against someone that was armed, but I, I would do it again today. Lastly, we take a look at one of our first guests on the show, Lisa Terry, who talked all about conflict management. Well, we live in a violent society. I mean, I love being an American, but sometimes, you know, traveling to other countries, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed because they all know everything, I guess, because of social media and just, you know, they know what's going on here. So in healthcare, we've got to respond it to it in a very multifaceted manner. It's my hope that we and some of our regulatory partners continue to respond by burdening the physical space as well as perpetuating this nonviolent, respectful culture as another tool in our belts. So hopefully we can prevent and mitigate some of the clinical and even the clinical criminal aggression in the healthcare environment. Heroes in the security industry often go unnoticed and the Security Heroes podcast is here to show you what it is really like for these brave individuals. Stay tuned for more shocking stories and heroic journeys in 2024. Security Heroes is brought to you by Athena Security. To find out more about Athena Security and how we help save lives through our weapon detection solution, visit www.athena-security.com. And then make sure to search for Security Heroes in Apple Podcasts Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Athena, thanks for listening.